Hello, hello. This is Self-Discovery with Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. I am your host, Alicia. I am a certified life coach and an accountant. I'm also certified in Connecticut to assist with individual in an active domestic violence and or sexual abuse situation. I am also a survivor myself. Self-discovery is here to assist survivors in rediscovering themselves through my podcast with relevant topics where we discuss how, why, and solution. Before we get started, I want you to get your pencil and paper, get your notebook, get whatever you need to take information down. Now, as usual, this is an interview. And with interview, you don't necessarily write down their story, but you write down what you learned from their story. That's the, that's the objective. Listen to someone telling their story. What can you take away from it? Because there's no two story that's the same. Might have the same header, the same end result, which is always to walk away in one piece, healthy and safe. But what can you take away from it? What did you see that will prepare you if something that occur, how you should respond? Something else to put in your toolbox. So. For the delay, let me introduce Lexi. Yay! Hey, hi, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> um, my name is Alexis McKinney, um, but I go by Lexi. That's what everybody calls me. Um, and I just want to really thank Miss Alicia for allowing me to uh, be a part of her podcast. Um, okay. Let's see where I should start. Um, I was born and raised in Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, I am now in Dallas, Texas. I've lived here since 2010. And um, I'll just jump right into the story. <laughs> um, so let's see. It all happened, let's see, May 2019. Uh, basically, um, so May 2019, uh, I had a domestic violence uh, situation happen with my father. Um, it was a shocker to me, I know, to everyone in my family. Um, so to start it off is basically just a regular day. I went to work and um, came home, you know, he was on the couch. I was living with him at the time. Um, and I was just like, you know, hey dad, you know, what's up? And um, scratch that, let me go back. He basically wanted to have a conversation with me about, you know, house chores. I left my clothes in the dryer and he had called me previously before and said, oh, we need to have a, a talk. And I was like, okay, you know, we can talk uh, whenever I come home from work or whatever. So, um, well, really, it was a while ago. <laughs> Sorry, I have to keep going back to it. Um, he wanted to talk two days before then, but um, at the time I was at my uh, boyfriend's house and he called me and was like, you left your clothes in the dryer. And he was kind of upset about it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm sorry. I probably just had a thousand things going on and I truly forgot. Um, so he was like, well, we'll talk about it when you get home. And I was like, well, it'll have to be tomorrow because I'm staying at his house. So he was like, okay. The next day he was at work. I came home 
and then I was asleep um, because, you know, I was cramping and he called me. He was like, well, just be ready to have the conversation. And I was like, honestly, dad, I'm just exhausted. Can we just do it tomorrow? So I put it off for like one more day. So that day that I came home from work, you know, he was sitting on the couch, he was on the phone and I just said, hey, dad. Um, and he was like, hey, how you doing? I was like, good. Went upstairs, you know, got, you know, changed into comfortable clothing. I was just getting comfortable, maybe ate a bowl of cereal. And then he texted me on my phone while I was upstairs. And he was like, oh, okay, so are you ready to have the talk? And I was like, sure, um, give me one second, I'll come downstairs. I was in the bathroom at the time. So after that, went downstairs and I started washing the dishes. And I told him, I said, okay, you can start talking to me. I'm just washing the dishes. He's like, no, I'd rather wait till you come and sit down. So, oh, before that, for some reason, <laughs> Ms. Lizia, for some reason, I prayed before I went downstairs. Something in my heart, in my gut, in my mind, you know, told me to pray about the conversation we were going to have. And, you know, I just said, God, you know, just let me sit back and let him talk. And I'm just going to say, okay. Um, you know, our, 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 uh, every parent and child have their little disagreements, um, you know, nothing new, but I'm just thinking it's going to be one of those conversations we were done and hash it out later or whatever. So at the time, like I said, something just came over me to say, pray about it. So I did, I prayed, I told God, I was like, you know, just let this conversation go easy, smooth, and let me go on about the rest of my day. Um, so after I finished washing the dishes, I had sat on the couch and I was like, you know, hey, what's, what's going on? So he was like, um, well, first he went through three different things before going, um, talking to me about the clothes in the dryer. So he first said, oh, well, I noticed you had some attitude how um, about when I left a receipt on your chair for me doing your um, emissions test. He did my emissions test for me on my car. And he was like, I just, I don't understand. You know, I would assume you would pay me back and X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay. You know, and I, and I did thank him previously for doing it. So I don't know the thought in his mind, I was like, I don't understand uh, why this is coming up, but okay. Um, so I was just like, okay. And then he was like, also, um, you need to start washing the dishes when I tell you to. Um, not that I don't clean up after myself, um, but he just hates when it's like a dish in the sink. But my thought process was there's three adults in this, in this house. It's um, me, him, and at the time it was his fiance. So um, I was just like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, I just feel like you don't ever wash them when I tell you to, you just wash it when you want to wash it. And it, it was just like, okay, you know, just, I, again, I just agreed, sat there and I was like, okay. Um, I didn't really have much to say something. Like I said, something came over me to just stay quiet and um, listen to what he had to say. Um, and then he finally got to, uh, sorry, it was two things, but he finally got to the clothes in the dryer. And 
all of a sudden he was like, I'm tired of you leaving your clothes in the dryer. If that's the case, you can effing leave it at your boyfriend's house. And, you know, he just started cussing. And in my head, I thought it was a little weird because, you know, my father has always said to uh, me and my siblings that, oh, if you cuss, you don't have a vocabulary. So I was like, okay, he just starts cussing like, oh, F this, F that. And uh, you could just uh, do your laundry at your boyfriend's house if that's the case. And I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I apologize. I'm sorry I left it in there. You know, like I said, sometimes we forget things. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, and then he went back to, um, he went back to the dishes and he was just like, yeah, I just think um, he was like, I'm just so tired of you not doing what you're supposed to do as an adult type of thing. And I just sat and listened. So eventually he was just like, oh, you're just sitting there all nonchalant. And I'm just like, I'm just listening. You know, I'm, I haven't said anything. I wasn't being rude. I didn't have an attitude. I was really just sitting on the couch listening. And he was like, yeah, I'm tired of you effing sitting there looking nonchalant. And when I tell you to effing speak, you better speak. So I was just like, you know, hold on. Why are you so hostile? I didn't understand where this was coming from because I haven't said anything. I'm just, okay, you know, agreeing, nodding my head, just letting it go by. So I was like, you know, you don't have to talk to me like that. You know, uh, we're having an adult conversation. Um, so he was like, I could effing talk to you how I um, want. And I'm just like, no, you can talk to me like an adult. And then he was like, you know, shut the F up. And um, <laughs> I was just, I'm like mind bottled at this by the time. I just didn't understand why he was so angry. So um, anyway, he was like, you know what? Get the F up, get the F up. Let me show you where the dish rag is. Um, I'm thinking it was back a while ago, I had called him to ask him where the dish rag was because I didn't see it in the sink. And I guess they were cleaning it or whatever. So I didn't know where the extra ones were. So, and this was a while ago, but he was like, yeah, you lived here like almost 11 years and you still don't know where stuff is at. This is where they FNR, this is where they are. And I, again, I didn't understand because I had still did the dishes. You know, I found the, <laughs> I found a rag somewhere and I did the dishes um, before I went out the house. And he, I was just like, oh, again, I don't understand why you're so angry. He was like, did I tell you to F and talk when I, when I, um, when I talk, you don't talk um, and you don't talk unless I tell you to talk. So I was like, why? Okay. I was like, first of all, we're not doing this. And that's when I, you know, pretty much like I didn't get angry, but I did stick up for myself. And I was like, okay, well, now let, let me speak on some things. And I was just like, I don't understand why I'm the only person in the house that has to do the dishes. And I said, there's three of us in this house. Like I do the dishes all the time. And mind you, back then, um, I'm, I was 27. So I'm like, I'm pretty much an adult. I am still living under your roof. Totally fine with rules and whatever else. But you're not going to treat me like I'm still a child. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, you don't pay no effing bills. You don't pay any effing bills. And I was like, but I've asked you, would you like me to pay bills? Um, but I felt like 
he always wanted to control whatever was in his house. So I think that's why he didn't want me to pay bills because when he says pretty much do this vacuum, whatever he wants it done then and there when he says it. Um, so that's, that's what it was. He was never a controlling parent. Um, but my father was, um, a state trooper in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So I think growing up, it was pretty much like, I want to say he was like a dictator. I want to say he wasn't strict. Neither one of my parents were, but you know, he did teach me and my sister how to be tough. Mm -hmm. But I think also he had that this is my rules, this is what's going to happen, you know, type I of... Show. I run the show. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, that type of dad. Um, over the littlest things, like I said, when we were little, even the dishes bothered him, so I, I think that was something growing up. But um, going back to the story, um, he was like, you can't pay my thing bills, you can't pay my effing bills, and I was like, okay, anyway, back to the story, he was like, you know what, nah, shut the F up, shut the F up, or you could get the F out. And I was like, dad, I'm not going nowhere. You wanted to have a conversation. Let's sit down like adults and have a conversation. Because at the time he started standing up, he was getting really angry. And I saw it in his eyes, really like something else took over his body. Yeah, like, you know, a I want to say demonic. It, it was very weird. And at that time, I didn't think anything of it, though, because I'm like, yeah, I've, I've seen my dad get enraged before, but never to this extent. So I, I don't know. I just think I didn't put two and two together. Um, so at the time, I was just like, okay, well, he's like, you know what? Matter of fact, you get the F out of my house. So I'm not going nowhere. You wanted to have this conversation. Let's talk about it. Like, you wanted to have it with me. So let's talk about it. He was like, no, F this. I'm done. You get the out and then I was just like all right whatever so then he went in his room and I was going up the stairs to mine and uh, I was just like this is crazy you know and which I said it out loud but I'm just like this is crazy I can't even have a conversation with my own father uh, or I said an adult conversation with my own father and this is when I was already at, up the stairs I mean, when I heard the door slam open because he had closed his door, it slammed open and he said, what the fuck did you say? And he ran up the stairs and I've never seen him like that. So, and as soon as he got to the top of the stairs, that's where I was, he grabbed my shirt and automatically my mind was like, what the hell is really going on? And then, so I pushed him mm -hmm. and I was like, yo, get the F off me. And then as soon as I pushed him, he grabbed me again on my shirt. And then that's when he punched me in the face. Mm. And so, I mean, even when we were kids, we kind of got spankings, but nothing crazy. Um, so at this point, I'm an adult, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. Yes. And I didn't expect this from my father. So after he punched me, he threw me to the ground. And mind you, like I said, he was a re retired state trooper in, um, in Connecticut. And um, he pushed me to the ground. And if you can picture it, it's almost like a George Floyd incident where the cop, you know, puts his knee in your back. He had my arms behind my back as well and he choked me with his forearm mm. 
And so I couldn't breathe for a while. Um, thank God I didn't pass out. He ended up letting go, but I was crying. I, I couldn't breathe. Um, for a minute in my head, I'm like thinking I'm going to die or, you know, I don't, I really don't know. I just blinked out because I was scared. And at the time, like I said, he was choking me. So oh, I was just devastated. Yeah. In my head, I was just like, oh my God, God, please help me. God, please help me. Um, I was, I was just in shock. I couldn't believe that my dad was really putting his hands on me. Um, choking like a thug. me like a thug he was respond to you like you were someone who have committed a crime okay. and he was trying to arrest you and you were fighting against the arrest that's what it seemed right. like to me he went back into the um police mode right and, absolutely and you were an offender and, he, and he's gonna you know so he definitely snapped i yeah uh, as i would say like i just felt like you know after the afterthought i was mm -hmm. like wow like in his brain at that time, I was not his daughter. I was some, you know, some random chick off the street or, you know, just a person, like you said, um, that committed a crime. So after that, he ended up letting go. Um, he went right back downstairs and sat on the couch like nothing happened. He didn't say anything after he got up off you. Did he try to help you up off the floor? No. Did he try to console you? No, ma'am. No, no, he, he did not. Walk away like a zombie. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like I mean, that's why I think something was wrong with him because he literally just stopped choking me. He got up. He didn't say anything. He went right back down the stairs and sat on the couch. Wow. And that's deep. That's troubling. Yeah. Very deep. Right. And I just. I had to catch my breath for one. Um, and then, but I literally got up and I went straight in my room, locked the door and I was looking for my keys. I, I got grabbed my wallet and then I was looking for my phone. Um, I had to come back out. It was like an upstairs living room. Yeah. And um, I came back out looking for my phone because I did, I remembered I had it in my hand um, before he punched me. Mm -hmm. So we have like rails uh, yeah. uh, upstairs and it slid through the rails when he punched me. So mind you, he, pun he punched me pretty hard if my phone yeah. flew out of my hand. Mm. Um, and it was on the floor downstairs. I could see it. Um, my phone case had been cracked. Um, everything was off. So um, I literally ran down the stairs, got my phone, and I told him I was calling the police and I left out of the garage. But it's not like he chased me. He didn't say anything. It, he just sat on the couch. Wow. Like, Did his fiance say anything to you when you when you went back to the house? Um, at the time, she was not in the house. It was just us two. Um, but I didn't go back to the house until my mother and my sister flew down to come help me uh, move out. And um, by the time I knew his schedule and I knew her schedule, and I, I just wanted to make sure when I talked to the police, because I did go to the police, um, I wanted to make sure that I could still go in the house and everything like that. And they were like, of course, because you you live there. Um, so it's not like you're breaking an entry or anything like that. Um, and so what we did was go on a Sunday because I knew she would be at church, his fiance, and I knew he would be at work. So 
me, my mom, and my sister um, drove to the house. We got all my stuff out. Oh, the funny part is I didn't even uh, explain this. So when I opened the garage, he had three suitcases packed for me. What the? Oh. Mm hmm. Yeah, three suitcases of my my clothes and my stuff. So he he must have knew I was gonna come back to get my stuff eventually. But I was like, wow. That's when you came back the last time to pack up your stuff and leave. He already had packed them for you. Yes, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like I said. I don't think I went back to the house for. I think it was a couple days. I think it happened on like a Monday. I think my mom and my sister got there on a Friday. It was around Mother's Day weekend, actually. So it was around May 8th, May 7th. Yeah. And um, so they flew out here, helped me. And that's when I went back to the house. So that Sunday, it was Mother's Day, I think, or, you know, before Mother's Day. Um, we had went to the house. And when I opened the garage, the suitcases were there. It was three wow. different suitcases. And he packed my, my stuff. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was, I was in shock. I was like, are you I serious? I can't imagine. One question I want to ask you. So after that day and it happened, did you ever saw him again face to face? And what kind of feelings did you have when you saw him face to face? Um, that's a good question. Uh, yes, I did. Um, see him after that I want to say uh maybe a week or two after that uh, I went to church and we do go to the same church I didn't know if he was going to be there or not but I wanted to go to church mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um at the time I felt like I needed it I needed prayer I needed you know God at that time mm -hmm. um every day I need God but <laughs> At, specifically at that time. Um, so yes, we ended up bumping into each other at church service. And I felt, I felt so many emotions, so many emotions took over my body. Um, he was sitting behind me. <clears throat> was that intentionally or, or was that the only space? How did, how did you end up sitting in front of him or he's sitting behind you? Um, I feel like I always, in, in church, I always sat um, in front of him in, in general, but I was there before him. Okay. And um, yeah, and he didn't come till after. And I ended up, for some reason, my somebody, something told me to turn around real quick. And I saw, I caught in my peripheral, caught a vision of him. And so at that time, it wasn't intentional because like I said, I haven't had any contact with him since the incident. Um, yeah, he just was there and I just felt so many emotions. I felt angry. I felt hurt. I felt sad. Um, yeah, it was so many emotions going through my mind and my brain. And I just kept praying and saying, Lord, don't let me lose it in church. Mm -hmm. Because once you see somebody that has done something so harmful to you, all you want to, you have so many, like I said, you have so many emotions. It's like, do I scream? Do I punch you? Do I yell? Like it's so many emotions. And I was in church, you know what I'm saying? Nobody knew, uh, you know, cause I, I don't, I don't, I didn't really talk to anybody from my church except for like these two ladies I sit next to. Mm -hmm. Um, but they still didn't know the dynamics of who was my father and who wasn't. Um, yeah. cause I haven't, I, I wasn't really involved in the church, but, um, 
And it's funny you ask that because when we got up for offering, like I said, so his row was behind me. So they went first. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he passed me, he touched my shoulder and I just cringed. I cringed. And I just, I just kept praying, like, don't let me lose it in the church. Don't let me lose it in the church. Cause again, nobody knows Mm -hmm. anything. And, um, I didn't make a scene. I just kind of cringed, but then like, I know after offering, they did prayer and I just lost it. Meaning like I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried so hard because it was really emotional. Yeah. I don't even know why he touched me. I was over here like, what in, what in your mind makes you just want to go by and tap me on the shoulder? To be a peace offering because the is way is your father one to apologize when he's wrong in the past? No. Okay. No. Do your father show emotion besides for anger? Um sometimes here and there. Like he's like I said, getting emotional just thinking about it. But um, all right, let it out, let it out. You know, it's it cleanses it because that is an emotional someone you trust who's there to protect you, arm you. That's that's a big letdown. That's a big thing. It's hard to trust, especially that person. And you can't because that person you look up to to protect you. And and don't forget he has a double thing. He ex being an ex-cop. Right. They protect and serve. The community, and then as your father, he protect. So he have right. failed and bold thing in that one moment. That one moment, that snapshot. Absolutely, um, yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like, <laughs> you're right. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that. You know, um, now that you're saying it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but. Yeah. And after, yeah, after that, um, I don't, he wasn't, like I said, he was never a bad father. I was always, um, a daddy's girl growing up. Um, me and my mom are very close. It's nothing, you know, but my parents had divorced in 2008 and my father came out here and I know I wanted to go to college outside of Connecticut. So my mom was like, well, you know, if you want to go live with your dad, go ahead. You know, it's good for you to experience and get out. And I'm just thinking, you know, we would get closer, mm-hmm. you know, for me moving in with him and everything like that. And eventually we did. Um, so it's not like he was a cold hearted person. I think it's just, it's his way or the highway. Like I said, he's a more of a dictator person. He's always raised me and my sister to be really tough. You know, we played sports. He was like, get up if you fall. So almost like he raised us as boys. So, I mean, he had emotions, you know, but it was because it was one time he was like, he wrote me a card and he was just like, you know, I want to spend more time with you. Um, I feel like we're drifting, you know, and I'm grown. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a kid anymore. So it's like I told him, if you want me to make time for you, dad, just tell me when you want to go out and we can go out. You know, so we were getting closer um, and then this happened. So um, it was like he would express it, but very different, I guess, um, because even when he was mad at me, he would call my mom and be like, I don't understand your daughter goes to Connecticut, but won't call me. And and he's like, she's like, "Um, she lives with you. 
You know what I'm saying? She lives with you <laughs> most of the time. So when she comes home back to Connecticut, she's with her, you know, her other family and friends that she doesn't see all the time anymore. And so I don't know why you take it so personal. Um, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to me about it. And I live with him, which I thought was pretty strange. So uh, communication. Um, so one question <laughs> when, um, and, and let me know if I'm stepping over the boundary when he was living, when he was at home with your mom, did he communicate with her the way he communicate with you when you're living with him? Cause I'm trying to figure it seemed like it's easier from the, you know, did he, you know what I mean? It, it seemed like it was either now to call your mom up and, 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 get a feel for what's going on with you. If I'm wondering when he was with your mom, did he have a hard time communicating with her in person because she was right there? Right. That's a good question. Um, I honestly don't know. Um, my mom has never said they had, hello. I mean, the, the, just thinking back on it, um, because he would call my sister as well. My other sister, well, I have three sisters and a brother. But he would call my um, my sister that's two years, we're two years apart. Mm -hmm. So he would also tell her, you know, I don't get why your sister is down a third. But she had to break it down to him as, you know, dad, you can't treat her like a kid and an adult. Mm -hmm. You can't have it both ways. You're either going to treat her like a kid or you're going to treat her like an adult. But he wanted to treat me both. Like he wanted to treat me as a kid and then he wanted to treat me as an adult. When it's serving. But, Whichever one served him at the moment, that's the way. At the moment, right. I don't, I don't necessarily think him and my mom had bad communication, but then I think sometimes he wouldn't face problems head on. I think he would just be like, oh, okay, it can be fixed type of person. And I think my mom would say, oh, he was a type to splurge her with gifts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it made that, that that's a, it's a good question. It makes me think, um, you know, it definitely makes me think because even with like, if I had an issue with one of his girlfriends living in the house, he wouldn't address it face to face. It's like, oh, I'll leave y'all to figure it out. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, you know, so that's what I figure. He's not, it doesn't appear to be one of confrontation because he keep his emotion very reserved mm -hmm. and therefore he bottle up a lot of things and then he explode because he doesn't communicate. So when he right. explode, he explode. But I, I um, obviously, I, no one will know but him as to why that day he went that direction. Now, right. I, I, you have we have spoken, you know, prior to this, and you did say you did forgive yourself. And what was that process like? What did you do? Ooh, that was it. Was a very hard process. Um, Per, I, I first and foremost, uh, definitely went to the, the, for me, I went to the police. Mm -hmm. And my reason being is I could have caught any family member and, you know, mm -hmm. they would have jumped. <laughs> but I think my thing is, you know, the law. Yes. Okay. Was a cop. Mm -hmm. Now you're not in, technically you're not in Kansas no more. You're not in Connecticut. So mm -hmm. you don't have that backup, you know, like that you, support, that network. Right. So I was like, you know what, you're in Texas. You know, you don't have that that connection to to cops out here, maybe, you know, so I was like, you know what, nah, he knows the law. I'm going to press charges for me because he 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 needs consequences. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. I don't understand um, how somebody could know the law was a cop for years 
Mm-hmm. Um, and plus down here, he works with juveniles. Yeah. So it just, it just really hurt me. So I'm like, you know what? Nah, um, it's my right to press charges. And that's what I'm going to do. Whether he's my father, whether he was the uncle, mother, brother, that's my choice. That yeah. was the first thing. Um, secondly, I did go to therapy um, because it was uh, free sessions through the domestic uh, violence advocacy. Mm-hmm. And I went to therapy and that actually helped a lot because <laughs> I was battling with my brothers and sisters. Um, sometimes I felt like I had no one to talk to because I felt like after a while, one of my sisters were going to bat. Like most of my siblings were like on the fence of, oh, this isn't right, but she's not right. He like, it was just on the fence, you know? Um, and I felt like I always had to defend my truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also felt like my mom sometimes would be in the middle between me and my sister. So I couldn't really talk to her. I couldn't really talk to anybody. You know, nobody's going to understand your pain like you. You're right. They have to be that. And the thing about it, even if they were to walk in your shoes, the circumstance that led up to it would not be the same. So they can't say what they would do because it's not going to be the same. It's not at all. And I think a lot of people didn't understand that, um, especially talking to my siblings, like, oh, are you really going to press charges? Oh, well, it was, oh, she probably deserved it. She has a bad attitude. Like, it was just so many things. And I was just like, wow. Like, you know, I'm thinking if anything, my brothers and sisters would have my back, you know, and I'm the baby of the family. I am the baby. It's five of us and I'm the baby. One so, question I want to ask you, though, if you mind me, um, do you think they were more devastated because you were going to press charge and they were worried about your father possibly going to jail or some negative consequences to his livelihood? Um, a part of me does, yes. Um, because I know one of my sisters is like, well, you know, he was a cop. And if you send a cop to jail and I was like, but ultimately, that's not my problem. He made his choice. You know what I'm saying? Um, at that time, it it wasn't like I wanted anything so bad to happen to him, but it was just like, no, he needs to understand what he did was wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just couldn't understand why so many people were having his back and this is your father and you should make amends with him. It was, it was just crazy because I was like, at the end of the day, would they feel that way if I ended up in the hospital? No. But, if it was somebody else, the bottom line is that if he had did it to somebody outside or, or one of them, the point, I think for some reason or another, they want you to do what most family, Black family do. Mm-hmm. When something happened like that, let's not get that person in trouble because they consider it trouble. Mm-hmm. Bury it, keep it within the household. Let's yes. keep it amongst ourselves. We don't have to tell the world we don't have to get him in trouble right. and not worrying about the trauma, mm-hmm. emotional trauma and the scar that you will have because you might forgive, but you will not forget right. the situation and that's going to carry you on. So one question, you said you have, through therapy, you have to forgive yourself and you forgive him. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. How has that changed your, your perspective and how you walk through life from when the incident occurred to now? 
Um, honestly, I feel like I feel like our our scars, our wounds, are our strength. You know, um, that's how I really look at life with any situation. This happened to be one of the most devastating um, because not too shortly after that, I did lose my best friend to cancer, and that really devastated me because I was going through that. Yeah, I was going through that when all of this was happening. Um, so I just feel like going to therapy, um, let's see, sorry, can you rephrase the question? Uh, How have going to therapy and forgiving yourself and forgiving him help you to navigate from when it first originally happened, the motion, the feeling, the anger you had to today? Right. How will stuff help you heal so you can see and act, you know, right. important, you know, to help yourself today compared to when it occurred? Right. Ultimately, um, yes, I've forgiven myself. I've forgiven him. Um, but as far as that, we, um, I, let me answer the question. Um me personally, I feel like I'm a stronger person. I've always been a, a tough cookie, always been a tough cookie. Um, this situation did hurt me a lot. It broke me a little, but it never completely broken me. Right. Even talking to the therapist, she was like, man, I commend you because some people wouldn't get back up. Like at the time I was taking a firefighter exam. I was trying to become a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so many things that I was going through in the midst of this. I mean, I didn't pass, but I kept going. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I said, you know what, Alexis, okay, this happened. You're going to still go, do this, do that. But I ended up coming back to my feelings. And the therapist did say, you know what, that's good that you put your feelings on a shelf for the moment to, you know, because I, I like I said, I was trying to become a firefighter. I had to do that. I had to still go to work. It, it was still a lot of stuff that I had to do. I had to find an apartment. It was stuff that, you know, now I had to get in adult mode um, and become that woman. Um, I ended up finding an apartment. I just, I kept strong mm-hmm. and I kept saying, this is not going to break me. This is not the end of me because God has something for me. You know what I'm saying? I know that I went through this to get to where I belong and I'm going to continue to grow. Yes. Um, so that, that, that kept me strong knowing that I know I can still go through something and still you know, hold it together. Like I said, I have breakdowns. Of course, I always go to my feelings, let myself feel it because that's the most important thing. You do go through something. Yes. You have to allow yourself to feel the emotions. So yeah. I did. And like I said, I've cried. I couldn't really talk to my, my mom. I couldn't really talk to my siblings. I talked to my friends and my aunt the most, um, but I just kept praying. I kept pushing. And, you know, the most important thing to me was, no matter what nobody says, always go with yourself, always love yourself, always put yourself first because nobody knows what it's like to be in that situation. And so many people will tell you, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. No, do what's best for you, do what's best for you. And that's what I took out of the whole situation is Alexis is gonna do what's best for Alexis. And I don't give a damn what anybody says because they weren't in my shoes. They weren't in the place that I was at 
at the time when it happened, you know, um, that was really low. It was a low point for me, but I didn't get low. So I can't say it was my lowest, you know, because like I said, I still came out strong and I'm doing so much. I'm doing so much with my life. You are. Uh, I'm looking at you right now <laughs> and you know, you're a strong, beautiful young lady and I'm glad you didn't let it break you because so many people don't know how to act and you know, there's no right and wrong. When something right. like this happened, people got real, there's no right and wrong. We all got to go through our journey and right. wherever it takes us up or down around the corner, we all mm -hmm. going to deal with it differently. So as far as them judging you, right. they, it's, it, I got the impression they were undermining the physical and the emotional toll yeah. it took on you. And we're just right. looking at the legal consequences it could have on him. Right. Right. That would, to me, it had to be that because he wasn't bruised physically. He wasn't emotionally right. attacked. So it had to be the legal aspect. It's those legality versus emotional and physical, but more emotional trauma because bruises do heal. Right. But not the emotional and mental trauma from somebody you trust, who you look to protect you at all costs is the one that physically hurts you at all costs. So they, they were looking at it and, you know, that's even make the trauma even worse. When you have to deal with that trauma from your individual sibling, who don't think they're doing any harm because they're just trying to convey a message to you that maybe you shouldn't take it that far. Mm -hmm. But they're not realizing the impact it's having on you because at this point, you need to be uplifted. You need right. to told it's okay it's okay without saying it they made it seem like it was your fault without right, saying it right. they made you start to rethink about what actually happened mm -hmm. and you, you didn't get that support from them and I'm I'm positive it was not done intentionally but they were more focused on the legality mm -hmm. and the consequence you can have on your father and right. you're thinking about family fight they, but they're not you and they weren't, it wasn't them. Right, right. And, and, and that's a hard, that's a tough pill to swallow when you're used to going to them as your network, as your support system. Mm -hmm. And today, can you say that their mind have changed? I think um, one of, I cut off the rest of them. I do only talk to one of my sisters now. We, we are the closest, me and my sister, um, the one that's two years apart from me. Um, but we still had bumps in the road from this situation. We've argued a bunch of times over it because her, her mind fluctuated of, oh, you know, let's all kumbaya, then oh, forget him. It was just weird at times. But one day she texted me randomly and randomly, I mean, randomly. And she was just like, you know, I know this is random. I just want to say I'm proud of you. Like after all the stuff you went through with dad and, you know, losing, you know, my best friend's name is Jamar. She mm -hmm. was like, after losing Jamar, um, I just want to say like, I'm really proud of the, the woman you are and how tough you are. And, you know, so I don't know what went through her mind. Um, Hopefully but, she stays there. Hopefully it's a wake up and, you know, something sometime, you know, loving herself 
is never easy. Self-love and self-care is difficult to practice when it involves family. Right. And in, in the sense that you have to love yourself enough to know that when even when it comes to family and people you love, you sometimes have to separate yourself from them. Yes. Self-preservation, I always tell people, self-preservation should always be key in your mind because right. if you don't love yourself and you can't think about survival for yourself first, you're not mm -hmm. any good to anybody. Right. You, you cannot right. sustain yourself. Self-love include emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, and you have to do the things to upkeep yourself. And if that means if someone hurts you, you have to take whatever necessary action for you to heal and to survive and to continue to move. And if it means you have to separate space, cut off, you can love from a distance. Absolutely. And you have to do, follow your gut instinct. It doesn't lead you wrong. Learn to trust yourself. And you did that day. You told mm -hmm. me from your instinct, tell you to pray on it. Mm. reserve so I got the impression and let me know if I'm wrong that normally when you have your disagreement you would be quick to respond yes ma'am <laughs> that day and I'm glad you didn't because you follow your gut instinct and that tell your gut instinct is very good yes, so because if you did it probably would have escalated faster quicker and harder right and you know you you, you your instinct is on point so yes. keep that in mind Listen to it. Listen to yes. that voice inside. It will always. take you far. Yes, ma'am. Always. That's that's a good point because I, I am very quick to respond back. I everybody knows Alexis can have that attitude, but um, and that's a and that's a learning process as well that I've learned to not let so many people get the best of me and get my energy. Um, sometimes you just have to be like, okay, well, you know, I'll talk to you later, or you know, just wish them well. And like you said, everybody, how I say it is everybody can't come on your journey. Sometimes you just have to leave people, pray mm -hmm. for them, wish them well, and go on about your life because God, again, has a plan for you. Yeah. So I've always heard the saying, some people stay in your life for a reason, season, and a lifetime. Yeah. And I've always kept that in my head. But as far as family, yeah, a lot of people think you're just supposed to forgive and love and forgive and forgive and forgive, even if they hurt you. No. Um, yes, you can forgive, um, but that doesn't mean you have to deal with them. No, you know, right and, place, and that's what you're doing. You're doing what works for you, and it's like I said once again. People need to remember, in giving advice, they can make suggestion because everyone wants things to work. Make suggestion, but don't hold someone at your standard. Don't tell someone they have to live by your standard, by their vision, because they're looking through the lens of their eyes, not yours. Right. And so therefore they cannot see what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. exactly. They only see what they, the picture that they created. Right. And so therefore when they speak on your topic, they're mm -hmm. speaking from a vision that they want to keep. Right. You know, a narrative that this is the way our family is supposed to be. And this is the way it's supposed to look. And if she does this, it's going to create this. So no, we got to keep it like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to speak to her based on my vision, my narrative okay. that I see, I want mm -hmm. to play out. And, and therefore, that's why we have to be careful when we take advice from people. Mm -hmm. We, it's a difference when someone makes suggestion versus telling you to walk their path. Right. Or walk, and it's never done intentionally or maliciously when it's family sometime, you know, they, they're, they're thinking good, but once again, 
they're speaking from their vision. Absolutely. And everyone's vision is based on their own experience and journey. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're doing a great job, young lady. And, you know, trauma is not an easy task. And you're handling it well. And cry. Cry, let it out. And every time it comes up, cry. You know, I'm sure over the past months, and, you know, like you said, 2019 is now going on 2022. You yeah. have learned a lot about yourself, how resilient you are. You have picked yeah. up a lot of tools that you put in your toolbox mm -hmm. that you now have how to deal with situation because this situation prepare you for other things. It's not going to be something like that, but now it makes you think how to read people, how right. to respond, how to set the tone for how to set boundaries and set the tone for yourself and realizing that energy sparks energy. Right. Attitude breed attitude. And just because that day you reserved yourself, you saved yourself. Right. And yeah. that works for any type of relationship, work, stranger on the street, meeting someone agitated in the street, being reserved and pulled back, sometimes might bring them down enough for you to get away. Right. And just take that and just take it and run with it, learn from it. And you have done so well. Thank so, you. Um, <laughs> you're doing a great job. So just give us a little background about yourself. So you, you're telling me a little bit about yourself that you do sign language. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I uh, went to school. I went to college for sign to be a sign language interpreter. I am still working on that. I'm done with school. I'm just trying to get certified. So um, I have my mentors. They're helping me with this. They're um, in Atlanta. So I plan on moving there next year to, you know, really up my career in, in doing that. Um, as of right now, I do work with children that have autism. I'm a therapist, so I work with them. Um, that's my full-time job. My part-time job, I am a kickboxing instructor. And I, Girl. <laughs> I love it. I love kickboxing. It motivates me. Um, it motivates my members. Um, I'm just a people person overall. And I also am a mentor myself um, with a, a organization called Create Her Foundation in Dallas. And we mentor young Black women ages 10 through 17. Wow. Superwoman. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm enjoying my life. I will be 30 in January. So I'm looking forward to wow. what God has for me. I'm so blessed. Wonderful. You're doing a beautiful job, young lady. And Thanks. keep on that path and continue to grow. You know, we grow and we evolve and we go through different ups and downs. And the most we can say for every journey and every ups and down, what is the takeaway? There's always a takeaway from everything that occur in our life. And we might consider it good, bad. I consider it as, as um, challenges, mm -hmm. um, learning experience, a lesson. Yes. Because everything that happened to us, we can, and, you know, Einstein is always a wonderful thing. And, but you can step back. You can't change what happened, right. but you can prevent it from happening or lessen it from occurring by looking back and said, wow. And also looking at yourself and see how much you have grown because yeah. I have to, mm -hmm. I continue to reflect on what you're saying. And it's such a blessing that you did reserve yourself because obviously 
that's something for you to really look at and pick up and, and see how you're responding in your other relationship. And that yeah. also is an opportunity for you to reflect on how you react to other people in general. You know, energy is such a powerful thing. Our energy that we carry around and it gives off that energy. Right. And okay. we have to be careful the people around and the energy they give off as well. Right. And, you know, keep, keep, you know, stay around positive people and people who have your back not just physically, emotionally, and mentally. Mentally, yes, ma'am. That is true. Thank you, my dear. We're going to be wrapping it up. But, oh, my God, it's a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. And um, abuse, you know, domestic violence is not just intimate partners. Um, It's any relationship. Any people that live together in a household, mother and daughter, brother and sisters, cousin, if you share space, roommates, and, you know, people need to realize all because it's your parents doesn't mean that it's okay. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not at the age where you need to be disciplined. I can see if you're two, you pop your hand, pop, you know what I mean? Five, pop it on the wrist, whatever the case you might've done for discipline as a child, but you, you weren't a child. Right. You're not a child. And so therefore, and even if you were a child, that's still not the way to go about it. Absolutely. So no one deserved, regardless of whatever they might have done, you could have jumped up and screamed murder. You still, the response was not needed. Right. But there's still no excuse. And that's what your family need to understand. I don't care if you stuck your tongue out or you, there was no reason for that action. Right. There was no reason for that, for that physical, the cursing was one thing, but the physical aspect of it, there was no reason. And they need to, I wouldn't say need, they need to, then yeah, they need to look at the fact that what happened to him that day, that's what they need to investigate. What happened to him that day that would make him flip on his daughter? Right. That, that's yeah. the question they need to ask. Forget about you telling the cops and going to Harry, whatever, whatever they want. They need to pose that question to him and get an answer from him. What right. happened that day? What made you decide to physically, forget about the verbal, because there was verbal abuse, but what made you physically decide to do that to your daughter? Because you had the bruise on your face. You didn't make that up. Right. And all the lips in the world doesn't require that. Right. So that's what they need to work on is asking him. What mm-hmm. happened, dad? Right. Why did you go that far, dad? Mm-hmm. So pose that question to them next time they ask you and they make up. Why don't you just ask dad, what happened? Why did he hit me? You know, I, honestly, some of them did say they asked. And I believe he either beat around the bush because he pretty much said, um, oh, well, one of them, he said, oh, well, I'm not going to let my daughter disrespect me. Um, another one, they pretty much think that he bl- blacked out and don't remember what happened. Um, so I don't know. It's just different answers. Because, he, because they can't answer it neither. And they're assuming and speculating and, and ad-libbing to whatever he said, because the fact remains, proof is in the pudding. Right. Yep. Very the physical true. proof is in the pudding. So to me, that's the question they need to ask him. And that's the question they need to disrespect or not. You know, it's 
it doesn't require that. At the end of the day, once again, I don't care what you did. Mm -hmm. That physical was an overkill, was not necessary. It didn't resolve anything and it was needed. And he should know better because he was trained to bring down a situation, not bring up a situation. So he had all the tools in his toolbox to de-escalate a situation. Obviously, yes, it's more emotional when it's family versus a stranger. Right. Treated you as a stranger that day. So that's what they need to work on. Suggest that y'all need to work on dad, not me. Mm-hmm. I, I work on me already. Work on dad now. Work on that, right? Period. You know? <laughs> I'm working on. I did my therapy. I did my counseling. I'm working mm-hmm. on me still. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, but love them. They love you. They they just seen the. They just hate to see the family split. But that's not your issue. At all, and I and that's what I keep telling one of my sisters. She wants to just kumbaya and I'm like no it's it's not gonna happen like that like I'm sorry I love y'all but it's it's a simple fact that y'all still don't understand the bigger picture and and that's just an issue for me and like I said some of them think oh she deserved it because her attitude some are just like oh maybe he just blacked out it's just like excuses excuses and I feel like I always have to defend my truth and I was just like you know what no more I really don't care. Right. I don't care what nobody has to say because me and him both know the truth. Yes. God knows the truth. So by all means, y'all can think what y'all want to think. And I'm going to go about my business. And continue to love yourself and put you first. Yes, ma'am. Put you first because that's the most important thing. So I'm going to wrap it up. So ladies and gentlemen, this has very been a very interesting story, a lesson. And I hope we all have gotten something from it because I just definitely have. And it's not something, it's not about judging. It's not about dissecting our story, but listen to it and listen to the different side of it because sometimes when you are in the midst of something, like it might be in your family, you have a situation like this. This helps you to look beyond the outside and see the full circle because sometimes when we're too close to the situation, we become so judgmental. But when you can see someone else share their story and you step back and said, wow, this stuff happened in my household, my family, and you respond differently. So with this being said, remember self-love and self-care with positive affirmation is feeding one mind, body, soul, and spirit. Remember you are worthy of all good things that comes your way. And um, remember my podcast drop every two weeks, twice a month. Um, you can find me on Facebook under Self Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. You can find me on Instagram under Self Transition Life Coach and on my website, Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial Self. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, see you. Bye. Bye.